Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And our presenting sponsor here of the Rambling Runner Podcast is Mercury Mile. Mercury Mile is fusing fashion and function for runners of all abilities, and it just takes three easy steps. Go to Mercury Mile. Dot com. Enter your preferences and sizes, and they will send you out a box of running goodies. About usually 8 to 12 things. You keep what you love. You send back what you don't, and it's not a subscription service. The prices are great, and shoot, they just, they're, on, they're on point. They have all the new stuff, stuff that you've never even seen before, or stuff that you may have heard about that you haven't seen in a store. It's great stuff, high quality, and all of my best stuff comes from Mercury Mile. There's no doubt about that. So you can check them out, mercurymile.com, and use code RAMBLINGRUNNER10 to save $10 on the $20 stylus fee. So before we get into my conversation with Paula Dubovoy, let me just say that I made the announcement earlier this week. It was really well received, and I couldn't be happier about that. I am now part of the Lowell Running Team, so Lowell Running Company. I am a certified running coach through them. I got certified on the Jack Daniels VDOT coaching certification last week. I've been studying a long time for that sucker. Got a 92 out of 100. 92. Felt good about that. Highest score, her highest grade I've gotten in a while, gotta say. So, um, but ultimately, it's not about book knowledge. It's about far more than that. So, I'm really excited to get back into coaching. As many of you know, I coached college basketball for seven years after playing college basketball for four. And I loved coaching. It just wasn't gonna work with the family life, but I really have missed it ever since I stopped doing it. So, I'm so excited to get back into coaching. And one thing about this podcast that I've really cherished is. The amount of knowledge I've been able to accrue with a lot of the conversations that I've had, not only with you know really high-level coaches, including my own, James McCurdy, but runners of all abilities. Just I feel like I've learned so much, and I've also seen firsthand how my running has always gotten better when I've had a coach. Not only has their knowledge been valuable to me, I've had three coaches in my life. Bob Rothenberg was my first running coach. He was formerly the head coach for 30 years at Brown University. Then I had another running coach, Caitlin Gray Goodman, who's one of the best runners in America, and now with James McCurdy. All of them have been fantastic, and when I haven't had a coach, my running has slipped, usually because of accountability, but for other reasons as well. Uh, And I can just say I've always had a great experience with coaches, and I'm excited to be that for other people. So what does that mean for me? So for me, it's really twofold. It's trying to make sure that people can reach the high goals that they set themselves up for. So the long-term goals that you really want to reach, that you're desperate to reach, that you're on fire to reach. So keeping that in mind, zooming out and looking at that, and then zooming in and saying, okay, so that's where we want to steer the ship. However, We're not going to get there tomorrow necessarily and making sure that we do the daily, weekly, sometimes even hourly steps is going to take to get to that level. And that's what I'm excited to work with, you know, runners like you to do. So the best thing to do is to go to lowellrunning.com, L-O-W-E-L-L running.com. I also have a link in my Instagram profile for that. And you can go right to that page. I'm excited to work with athletes of all abilities and get to the point where, you know, we can get to, uh, you know, setting not only setting PRs, which is always nice, but getting to the level where you're achieving things that you maybe didn't think 
that you are going to be able to do. Is I think the bar that we set for ourselves oftentimes is too low. Usually, actually I shouldn't say that. Usually what we think we can do in six months or three months, sometimes we set the bar high for that. We say, I think I can do this in three months. And sometimes that can be high. And I think that in the short term, you know, you take step by step by step. You can definitely improve in the short term, but oftentimes people set the bar too high in the short term and too low in the long term. And I think that sometimes we need to flip that. Say, okay, step, I'm going to go step by step. I'm going to get a little better and a little better and a little better. And then just like compound interest over time, that's going to mean a lot better and even greater than that. So then over time, you reach these goals that you didn't even think necessarily were possible. And then with the help of somebody helping you get there, you know, you'll be able to do things that maybe, you know, you didn't think you'd be able to do, but here you are doing them and you're setting yourself up for even greater goals in the future. So lowellrunning.com, I'd love to work with you. And with that being said, the Matt Chittam infomercial is over. I'm excited to get into this conversation with Paula Dubovoy. She, um, had a uh, just a crazy injury last week. So this we turn this over really quick. Oftentimes, this podcast does the comeback story, you know, kind of like a year after tragedy of some sort hits, right? So something crazy happens in someone's life. They spend a year or two coming back, doing something amazing, and then they come on the podcast and they tell that story, which is fantastic. However... With Paula, we're going to kind of flip the script a little bit. So, last week, she ruptured her Achilles tendon, a full rupture, which is a crazy injury. You'll hear how she does it, or how hear how she did it in this episode. It's just like the whole thing was so weird. But it's a really tough injury to come back from. It takes a long time. It's drastic. You're really, you know, out of commission for a while. And what we're going to do is we're going to follow Paula kind of every step of the way. So this podcast was done five days after her surgery. Her surgery was done the day after she injured it. So really quick, quick turnaround on that. So I want to make sure that we had her on immediately. We're going to check in with her a couple more times. You know, she won't be able to run for six months, as you'll hear on this. So I think it'll be interesting to hear, you know, the comeback story is great, but it'd be interesting here to, to get it right in the middle of it, to hear exactly what she's thinking her struggles, her pain points, optimism, challenges, the whole thing in real time. And hopefully you find it as interesting as I did. Thank you so much for listening. And now here is my conversation with Paula. Hello, Paula, and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. Hi, Matt. How are you? Thank you. Oh, I'm doing great. I'm excited to have you on the show, but not in the normal circumstances. I usually have a guest on, usually I'm like so excited for the comeback story. We're going to tell this amazing story on the podcast. Your story is a little different. We're kind of catching you in the beginning of the comeback. That's for sure. So I guess first things first, um, let's just dive into what happened this week. And if you wouldn't mind telling everybody just what went down, um, because it was so it was so hard for me to see you tell the story just because I felt so bad. But I also know it's kind of the foundation of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, definitely. So it's crazy to believe it was only um, five days ago that it happened. But basically, I was doing a Muay Thai workout. I It's something that I started about three months ago, and I've really enjoyed doing it. So I got a new pair of boxing gloves for Christmas, and I was excited to break them in. And I was doing um, kind of a self-led workout with a couple other people 
that um, I go to the classes with and was in the third three-minute round. So typically you'll do three rounds, three minutes each. And I was in the last round, about maybe 30 seconds to go. And I was doing um, just a kind of a routine and threw my knee. And all of a sudden I just heard a loud pop. And at first, you know, my brain didn't even register what it was or, or what it could have been. And I actually looked at my opponent and asked him, what was that? And he looked at me and he says, that was you. So, you know, my first reaction then I just looked right down at my ankle and I wasn't feeling any pain, um, but I took a seat on the floor and I actually think that, you know, my, I, I think my brain was almost kind of blocking out the pain because I, I didn't feel any pain, um, but I took a seat and then actually passed out for a couple of seconds, um, came back to and, you know, felt okay. My calf felt really, really tight and I couldn't really pull my toes back, um, and couldn't put any weight on it. So I sat there for a few minutes. I elevated it, got some ice and was just thinking, you know, maybe I sprained my ankle. Maybe I, I pulled my calf or strained my calf muscle, um, Fast forward a few, you know, few minutes and ended up calling a physical therapist that I used to work for. And she led one of my coworkers through a couple of short assessments and um, told me that she thought it was my Achilles and that I should go see an orthopedic doctor as soon as possible. So it was all honestly kind of a blur and nothing that I hadn't done before. I had done it. I'd thrown my knee and I had done Muay Thai you know, hundreds of times before, um, didn't feel any pain or any tightness before it happened. Um, so literally just kind of came out of nowhere and just, oh, this whole time was just kind of in denial, you know, surely it can't be serious, but, um, yeah. So that was kind of the summary of it. That's how it went down. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess the diagnosis was a full rupture of the Achilles tendon. Yep. Yeah. Completely tore it. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Oh my yeah. gosh. I've heard this described before. And like, it, sh- it gives me the, like, it makes my whole body shudder just oh. to think about it. Yeah. That like basically like rupturing your Achilles tendon that way is like pulling down like one of your blinds, like, yeah. you know, kind of like releasing the blinds from like your window, snaps. like in the morning, just it like, snaps back up. Yeah, calf and oh gosh, it's just <laughs> chilling to even think about it. Never mind to actually have it, um, you know, have it done. Yeah, which I'm sure for you at the moment when your when your doctor told you, or maybe when you had some kind of like a better inclination of what was going on. What were your initial thoughts <laughs> when it started? When the diagnosis started to become a reality for you? Yeah, so I was sitting there in the doctor's office and. And, you know, you always end up waiting a little bit for the doctor and I'm, I'm sitting in the doctor's office waiting for him to come in. And the craziest thing is I'm looking around me and on the walls, there's all of these framed and signed covers of runner's world. And so looking at them a little bit closer and I start to realize that they're actually signed and addressed to this doctor that I'm about to see. And literally, I see Paula Radcliffe up on the wall and Jordan Hesse and um, other elite marathon runners. And so, you know, just kind of in my mind, I'm like, you know, that's that's strange. You know, I wonder if maybe he's met these people. So 
doctor comes in, he performs the test, lets me know that it's, you know, confirmed it's a, a ruptured Achilles and starts to talk me through what the, um, what this means. So basically he says, you know, we're going to need to get you in for surgery right away. Um, we're going to try and schedule that for tomorrow. After that, you're going to need to be in a boot for eight weeks and you'll be able to use a stationary bike during that time. And then it'll be about six months before you can run or jump again. And literally he said that. And I said, what? Um, I, I honestly didn't really believe him. I've never, I, you know, that, that thought has never crossed my mind, you know, to not run for six months. And so he said, um, yep, you know, it takes a while for the Achilles to, to heal in that way. Um, but, you know, we'll be able to get you up and moving on the stationary bike and doing some other exercises. And so in my mind, I'm, I'm just thinking like, no, you don't understand. Like I, I run, that's what I do. Um, you know, how six months from now is July. How am I not going to, you know, do any running until then? So, um, that was just kind of a shock. And I think that again, my brain was just processing what he said and I started tearing up and he handed me some tissues and I, I asked him at that moment, I said, you know, all of these people on your wall, have you met them? And he goes, met them. I've treated them. And turns out the doctor that I saw, which was just kind of a random phone call. It was the fourth doctor that I called that I was able to get in. He's treated Paula Radcliffe. He's treated Shalane. He's treated um, Jordan Hesse. And so I immediately just felt like, you know, okay, I, this, this as awful as a situation as this is, this doctor understands and he's worked with elite runners. And so if he can work with them and get them back to where they are, you know, I, I can do that too. And that was that little bit of a spark of encouragement. I think that I needed in that moment of feeling the most down of just that little glimmer of hope that was just immediately sparked right from the beginning. Yeah. I can imagine that was at the <laughs> same time, like a, a nice spark, like you mentioned, given you know his history with all of these runners but at the same time it also validates his initial assessment <laughs> so it's <Yeah>. not <laughs> as if you can be you know go to another doctor and find someone who's like gonna say oh no no you can run in three months it's fine yeah like, you know this person obviously is well regarded so you pretty much have to take their diagnosis as gospel um yeah. especially for something that seems to be on some level a pretty open and shut thing right if you tear your achilles it's not as if it's uh you know a controversial type injury. Right. It is. It's, it's either there or it's not. And trust me, he had me feel it the back of my heel before the surgery, of course, that day in the assessment. And it was, there was no Achilles <laughs> there. So that must've been so strange. <laughs> yeah. It was weird, but yeah. All right. So just to put your athletic background in perspective, cause mm -hmm. you just mentioned, you know, I'm a runner. I have to run. That's what yeah. I do. Yeah. While that's true. For sure. You are much more than just a runner, Paula. You are, <laughs> you know, an athlete extraordinaire. You do all sorts of things. You know, if, if, you know, the obvious point to that is how you hurt your Achilles, right? You were doing Muay Thai at the time. Right. Um, you, know, you do all sorts of stuff. So let's just dive into what you do 
just from an athletic perspective, just mm-hmm. going all the way back, because you were even a college a college runner. And shoot me, let's just dive into like your athletic background, because there is a lot there. Sure. Yeah. So I have been running for um, years. I actually started, I ran track in fifth grade and then all the way through college. I, um, you know, as you're, when you're in middle school and high school, you do pretty much everything, but in college, I narrowed it down and my two events that I competed in were the 200 meters and the triple jump. So, um, that was, those are the two main events that I did in college. And then post-college, you know, it's a little bit hard to compete in triple jump. So I, um, made the switch over to long distance and ran my first half marathon. And then the fall after graduating, I ran my first marathon. So that was in 2013. And um, it was just kind of a crazy experience because for me up until then, you know, the longest I ever ran straight was two laps. We had a two lap warm up, and that was long distance to me. So training for a marathon was very, very odd. And I trained with, um, team world vision. And so that was kind of my motivation behind doing the marathon was to run for that charity. Um, and then just that's a huge step. I mean, you were like fast twitch (laughs) muscle extraordinary, 200 meter triple jump. You know, that's like pretty much as fast twitch as you can get. So it's not as if you just had to do the marathon, right? You could have gone to 5Ks, right? You could mm-hmm. have, like, looked for some indoor track events or outdoor track events. Even though they are fairly rare, you did have some other options. So what about running for charity and doing these longer distances really pulled you in so quickly after doing these shorter burst-type events? Yeah, good question, because it is total extreme opposites. And so... What really motivated me to sign up for that first marathon was because of what Team World Vision does is that they provide they provide water for people essentially, but deeper than that, they provide hope for people. So once people can have um, access to water and build wells, that sparks hope for them in the sense of you know they have hope about a future. And so I thought that was so cool that we could do something that's going to be really great for us and something that people maybe never thought they could ever do. But, you know, by us doing that, we're able to help someone with something as simple as getting access to clean water. And so that was the motivation behind it. Um, Went through the training with Team World Vision and the energy and the feeling that I got from running that first marathon was something that I would have never expected. Um, you know, it's like, you know, you run at 200 meters, right. And it's, you know, 20, 26, 27 seconds and people are cheering for you. And then it's over just like that. But for a whole 26.2 miles in Chicago, I had people cheering me on that whole time. I had my name written on my Jersey And I remember at one point I had been listening to music, training with music. I took my headphones off because I remember the, the energy and the motivation that I was getting from the crowd was more than any song could ever provide me with. So I think it was just, you know, that kind of, um, just wanting to do something for others and, 
you know, do something kind of different, but still have me train for something, even though it was training for a completely different event that I had done in the past, it was still something that I was able to train for. And then going through that was just an incredible experience. And, you know, that kind of sparked my interest to want to continue doing it ever since then. Now, what was it like for you getting used to running so many slow miles? <laughs> uh, man, I think honestly, like I, uh, I think, you know, having, it was initially, it was like a good playlist and then finding good running routes or finding new running routes and places to explore. And then I did a lot of running with um, my sister. And so being able to do it kind of as a social thing, just, I mean, it was just, it was different, but it was still running. And, it, you know, I, I don't know, I think deep down, I'm more of a, a long distance runner. And so it was kind of just starting to make me aware of that because I never got bored or I never really hated it. Um, even if, you know, it was a super humid day or I had to get up early or I was tired, didn't want to do it. I still actually really enjoyed the process. So it was completely different, but I think deep down it's, it was, I think I actually enjoyed it more than what I had done previously. Now you have one of the coolest jobs of anybody <laughs> I've seen. We've kind of gone back and forth, uh, you know, sending messages to each other ever since you got this job at LinkedIn. Yeah. Describe yeah. this thing because it's like, it sounds almost like surreal, but at the same time, it almost sounds like if you could like make up a job for yourself. Yeah. It sounds like pretty much you would describe the job that you now have. Yeah, I absolutely love my job. I am so fortunate that I am able to do um, something that I'm passionate about every day. And so basically, um, so my, my background is actually in marketing. That's what I studied in school. But then I, uh, so I thought what I wanted to do with that was actually going to wedding planning. And I really was interested in wedding planning and then thought I could do some personal training for brides on the side. But the more that I got into the event planning industry and the more that I got into the fitness industry, I realized that where my passions were really were kind of um, uh, swapped. So I started to make my main focus then on fitness and did a little bit of event planning on the side, but um, really started enjoying the the personal training in the fitness industry. So um did personal training for about three years and started at LinkedIn as a personal trainer. So LinkedIn um, has a great wellness program and it's just a really cool way for the employees at LinkedIn to stay healthy and um, their focus, you know, personal training is just one of the um, aspects of wellness that they focus on, but they also really make a, a big um, emphasis on things like sleep and hydration and any form of movement. So how can a and... company like, I'm sorry, butt in here. No, go for it. It's like, how can that be something a company cares about? Like when well, you said they care about the sleep and hydration, like what does that mean exactly? Cause it seems like such an odd thing for like a company to even like spend time, not only like thinking about to make, but to make a priority. Yeah, I completely agree. And this, it's totally opened my eyes to what, the potential is for corporate wellness because, you know, some, some companies have, maybe they provide their employees with a gym or maybe they'll provide you with some sort of discounted gym membership at a local gym or studio. But 
at LinkedIn, they, we have a whole wellness team and we, um, we have wellness events that we'll partner with and sponsor, whether it's races or, um, meditation retreats. Um, they just have a big, they really, they think that, you know, prioritizing their employees overall wellness is going to make for happier employees, obviously healthier employees, and then as a result, more productive employees as well. If you can, if you have a gym where you can go get a quick workout in at lunch, or um, if you, you know, have access to really good, nutritious food, or um, just, you know, focusing on what is best for your body and your mind is going to really translate into making your best work as well. So it's, yeah, they do a, they do a great job with, um, prioritizing the, the wellness aspect for their employees. And I'm so fortunate that I have a a part in that. Um, I just recently in July was, um, promoted from the personal trainer role and I now manage the three fitness centers that we have at the headquarters. As Hold well on. As- There's three fitness centers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw Sorry. that, but I was like, wait, maybe there's like three different like offices around the country that LinkedIn has. No, we have it. So our campus is about a mile long and we have three different fitness centers, um, in the campus. Dude, that's crazy. <laughs> All right. We're so, so spoiled. <laughs> I'm so into it. Um, it's so funny. Like you, know, you were just saying how, you know, if you're, really healthy and fit you're going to be like a more productive employee Mm -hmm. but like i don't know man i don't know you're not going to be too productive (laughs) you're super healthy and fit i'm just kidding obviously (laughs) but um all right so so what does that mean so you you have these fitness centers at Mm -hmm. the company corporate wellness is a big deal like Mm -hmm. what does that mean for an employee how do they fit in the wellness time with their work time like what does that schedule look like is it different than a normal like nine to five type job I think it's it's different for everyone so you know some people they'll get into work really early and then maybe they will leave a little bit early to get that you know um, evening workout in or some people come in a little bit later to work and then they'll stay stay later for work. So that gives them time to get their workout in, in the morning. So we provide personal training for the LinkedIn employees. We also provide group fitness classes as well. Um, and so all different types of things, we have the Muay Thai classes, we have meditation, we have yoga, we have spin, we have Zumba, um, total body conditioning, strength classes, TRX. Um, so we try and get something for everyone. So our biggest focus is to engage the unengaged. And while yes, we love having those people come into the gym and engaging with them, a big goal of ours is to also try and figure out like, how can we reach those people who have never stepped into a gym? Or how can we reach those people who may have just fallen off track and we need to, um, you know, find a way to motivate them, whether that's through, you know, pledging a goal for the year, or um, maybe it's putting an article out there about the importance of sleep or um, providing personal training for someone who's never really been to the gym before and not sure where to even start. So it looks a little bit different for everyone, just depending on, you know, what people's goals are and what motivates them and what their exercise history is and, um, 
and their schedule and their stress levels and their family commitments. So that's what's so cool is that it's different for everyone, but we can, we find a way to make it work for everyone. Now, kind of a team community atmosphere seems to be mm-hmm. something that's a big part of your life and has been for a while in mm-hmm. college. You were you know, the captain of your, of the, the track team. You're mm-hmm. also involved with, um, you know, different faith-based organizations on campus. You're doing this now. You're very involved with RTA, which is a running group, which is primarily based on the West Coast, but is expanding mm-hmm. very rapidly. Yeah. We've had some people here uh, on the podcast who are all about that community as well. What yeah. about that community feel just gets you so excited? Uh, that's such a good question. I, man, I think that I am just like the type of person that just thrives with having people around me. And it's funny, you know, even after this injury, so I had my surgery on Thursday and the doctor, you know, recommended I probably don't go to work on Friday, but there's a possibility that I did go in for a couple of hours because I, I could be either sitting at home with my foot up, you know, getting some work done, or I could be in a environment with other people around me. And, um, I, I think that, you know, community is just really important to me because we're able to do life together and that's going to be through the highest of highs. And, you know, as a, as a track captain or as a, the leader of the South Bay chapter for RTA or, you know, managing my team, we're going to be there for each other to celebrate the victories. But I think, also, you know, it's so important to have those people around you to help carry you when you're feeling low or when, you know, a race doesn't go as well as you thought it would or hoped it would, or when, um, you know, anything just kind of tries to knock you down. Having that support is so important. And I, man, I just, I think that, you know, the, the people that I have behind me, whether it's my team or my coworkers or my family has just made those celebrations that much better and has made those down circumstances, you know, just that much easier to go through um, being able to do that together. I can imagine. And also, you know, now that you're in that position where you're not being the person who's providing support and good vibes and positive outlook, you're kind of the recipient of that now. Yeah. What has that been like for you kind of having this role reversal? It has been just mind blowing how many people have reached out and, you know, whether they've called or texted or, or, um, you know, sent flowers or just every single comment, I think, does not go unappreciated or unnoticed. I think that in the times where you're feeling really down, it's easy for you to get into your own head and tell yourself, you know, I'm not going to run for six months. I'm going to be starting back at square one. What was the point of all of the the time and the effort and the energy that I put in through all my workouts when, you know, in six months from now, I'm going to get to walk for two minutes and jog for one minute. And I'm going to get to do that for 10 minutes. And then I'm going to have to take two days off. Like that kind of stuff is so easy to just get in your head. And, um, you start to tell yourself, you know, just all of these things, 
But then when you start having people tell you things like, you know, if anyone can get through this, you can, or you're going to come out of this stronger than you ever were. Those are the starts. Those are the types of things that as you start to read those things and listen to those things, and then you start to tell yourself those things, and then you eventually start to believe those things. And so even in the past five days, I've gone through, you know, these, these thoughts of, you know, how, how am I ever going to get back to where I was? You know, what, what was the point of all of the, the time spent training if in six months I'm literally going to be back at square one? And you, you start to go from those thoughts to, you know, instead of asking myself, like, why me? Why did this happen to me? I start to think, you know, why not me? Why, why can't I go through this injury and come back and, and get back to where I was? And that, that just having, having those people, um, having anyone tell me something positive was what actually started to get me to be more positive and to think that, okay, these people, if they believe this about me and if they're telling me this, I'm going to believe it too. And I'm going to show them that they're right. And that, you know, what they think about me is, you know, I'm gonna, I am going to come back stronger and I am going to come out of this, you know, just fine. And I can recover from this, even if right, right now it doesn't seem possible. Like I know that I can. And what do you have to do in the coming weeks and months to kind of make sure that you can maintain that mindset? Obviously, no one's mindset is ever just a static thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to go up and down and change over time. But how do you maintain that positive mindset when certainly there will be days which will be far less inspiring than others? Yeah, um, that's a great question, too. So. I think that one of the biggest things that this has taught me so far is just that I had thought so much of myself as a runner and in what my what my abilities were as a runner. And so I had, you know, this year when I thought about what was all to come, it was, you know, I'm in a PR at the Napa Half Marathon. And then a race predictor that based on my last half marathon time, like predicted I could run a 319 marathon. And, you know, I believed that I was going to run a 319 in May. And after qualifying for Boston um, in 2017 at California International Marathon, and then missing the cutoff this year by a minute, like I was determined that this was the year that I was going to get that ticket to Boston. And so all of these goals and aspirations that I had were centered around running And so now I'm just starting to slowly realize that running was something that I did and something that I will do, but running doesn't make me who I am. And so just because right now I can't run doesn't mean that, you know, my, that doesn't mean that there's there's not other things that I can do and other ways that I can inspire people and motivate people. So I think just realizing that and just, you know, realizing that I had totally put my identity in running and now it's going to shift from putting my identity into running into other things. Um, that I think is going to carry me through because even though I'm not capable of putting the miles in and, and posting workouts, um, you know, running specific workouts, there's still so much that 
I know I can offer. It's just a matter of shifting those goals and shifting that perspective, um, keeping myself positive, surrounding myself with positive people, um, setting little goals for myself now and just focusing on the things that I can work on, which is, you know, going to be my, my rehab and, you know, being the best Achilles ruptured comeback there ever was and cheering other people on. That's and... right. Watch out, Boogie Cousins. <laughs> right? Exactly. Marcus Cousins plays for the yeah. Golden State Warriors near you. He's, he's coming yeah. back from an Achilles tendon injury this month. Yep, I know. And that, I mean, I think that was just like a year that he was out. And and reading about, you know, other people who have conquered this has been super just like inspirational for me because I'm not the only one that this has happened to. And for everyone who has gone through it, you know, they've, they, it seems like they've been able to come back stronger than, than they did. Um, and, you know, one thing that I... I listened to a TED talk um, and a couple of things that stood out to me for that was just, you know, there's a quote that was in it. Um, and the, the woman that was interviewed said that she had lost everything that she had valued and everything that she had worked for. And, you know, why did this happen to me? And she said that I had a choice. I could either keep fighting this or I could accept not only my body the way it was, but the circumstances that I was in. And I stopped asking myself, why me? And I started to ask, why not me? And again, like that's, that was just so crucial for me to, to hear was that, you know, why not me? And, you know, I might be limited in my capabilities right now, but that doesn't change my spirit. That doesn't change my, the goals that I have and just the, the mental strength that I have from all the running workouts that I did and from knowing that I went from, you know, a, uh, a marathon, t- my first marathon time, you know, to where I got for my fourth marathon time. And if I can cut that much off of those races, like I know that I can get there again. So just really focusing on the positives and not letting myself um, get too dark down the tunnel of like, you know, why did this happen to me? And I'm never going to be able to do this again. And you know, just keeping myself in the positive and not really even letting myself go there. Right. Now, we had a chance to meet at CIM this past year because mm-hmm. you were doing the relay with yeah. your friend Jay Bird. Yeah, Jen. Oh, my God. I <laughs> um, called. Yeah, I called her. She was the first person I called after after I um, uh, saw the doctor, and she was amazing. She cheered me up so much. <laughs> oh, that's nice to hear. Well, you know, you were, you were obviously really excited about your running present and future. And I'm sure yeah. you had, as you mentioned, a set of new year's resolutions. Um, you're a very goal oriented person. So I'm sure you had those set in stone. So we're two weeks into 2019. <laughs> you can, at this point, you can like, you're like one of the few people who can be like, yeah, I got rid of my new year's resolutions mid January, <laughs> but you had like a good reason for it. So it's no yeah. big deal. Um, and you can come back from it. And I think the, one of the first things that I thought of after I saw that you had had this injury was like, yeah. I guarantee you that six months from now, Paul is going to be posting stuff about like, all right, August is the pull-up challenge month. <laughs> Join me in crazy pull-ups like every single day. Oh God, no, that's going to be, that's going to be like the February challenge is the, the month of pull-ups. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's going to be great. No, so, and that's what you've done the past too. You've been very like, engaging with 
the not just local community where you live and work, but you know, through social media as well, trying to get people involved with all this stuff in terms of the fitness and, um, you know, just trying to just connect over kind of a, a kind of a common principles and, and uh, things that people are interested in, which is fun. So all of that is to say, I'm really excited to do this. We'll kind of track your progress as you go. Some of these calls may be more positive than others because, you know, we want to like keep it real and say, hey, this is what's happening and this is where I am and this is where we're going. So I'm so excited that we're going to do this. I'm, I'm, you know, terribly sad that we have to do this because mm-hmm. I wish you were just, you know, going out there kicking butt in your training runs. But like you said, why not me? So maybe we can, yeah. you know, be part of that and sharing this journey and, you know, so that this time next year, you're sitting there with the same high level goals that you had before and you're ready to go rip them off. Yeah. And I think, you know, it just, you, it running was just something that I had started taking for granted too. I mean, I could just hop on the treadmill and go for a run, or I could just lace up my shoes and go for a run. And now I think, you know, when I am finally able to, to go on that first run again, I think that it's just going to create this deep appreciation for it. Um, and it'll just make it that much better. And like you said, a year from now, I'm so excited to see where I'm going to be. And my focus right now is just to be the best comeback. And, you know, what can I do right now without pushing it? Cause I don't want to set myself back either, but you know, there's still so much I can do. So just focusing on those things and still, you know, reaching out to the, the community and whether it's, you know, even if it's not like a running challenge or, you know, I'm limited in what I can do. I like, you better believe I'm still going to be challenging everyone out there to, you know, get these workouts in or these exercises in or drink this much water because there's still so many things that we can focus on. Don't drink um, too much water, Paula. It's going to be hard for you to get to that bathroom. In the, you know, <laughs> if, you're, if you're trying to get there quick, man, you better watch out. Uh, trust me. Every little thing is like, wait, how do like how you can't carry coffee while you're on crutches. Like that's been the most frustrating thing to me right now. Is like, no, but you're, you're like in startup, you're in startup Valley. Can't they just like put a cup holder on one of your crutches? I know. It's like, it's like, how has no one thought of a cup holder on crutches yet? I don't know, but we'll, uh, well, I have, I have a goal for you. So when okay. I had, when I was a sophomore in college, I had ankle reconstructive surgery. So I took okay. the three ligaments on the outside of my ankle, Oof. cut them and reattached them to tighten them up. And then one of them was shredded, the one on top of my foot. So they had to take some, um, you know, just some tissue from another part of my foot to kind of you know, connect some of the ligaments. So yes. we yes. had this done in spring break. So that at my school, Vassar College, we actually had a two-week spring break, which was great. So we had this surgery done the Friday Ooh. leading into that two weeks which also happened to be when March Madness was. Okay. So for me, like, I love college basketball. I didn't want this surgery, but if I'm going to have it, this was, like, the optimum time. So I yeah. could just sit there on the couch, foot up, watch basketball all day long. So I, that's literally all I did. Like, I would sleep, go to the bathroom, and watch basketball. Yeah, watch. That yeah. was it. So my foot was up the entire time. I actually, the pain meds made me nauseous. So all I did okay. was have Advil, which was okay. great because it was anti-inflammatory. Nice. So two weeks later, they go to put the real cast on and my swelling had gone down so much because I was like the ideal recovery patient <laughs> because I was such a lazy basketball junkie that I never moved. They're like, you're so good at 
bringing the rest we're bringing like the swelling down how did you do it i'm like i did nothing literally i I never moved for (laughs) for two weeks um so i would just say you know again i'm not a doctor but like that that helped me a lot like not having that initial swelling and not pushing it and being like well i'm gonna do a bunch of sit-ups because i you know i can't move around like i just like was like recovery all the way and um yeah man like it helped a lot so i don't know maybe maybe we can have like a recovery off you can see like you know how 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 little swelling you can have two weeks later yeah right and i like that is so important to me and i know that it's like what i do right now is short term but it's going to affect me in the long term so you know i that's so true i and i'm used to you know being you know up at five and go, 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 go. And now it's like, man, I've been sleeping more than I ever have. And, you know, it's 100% forced me to do so much less. And so like in one sense, it's kind of driving me crazy, but at the same sense, like, I think I needed this in some, in some way. And, um, (laughs) I mean, I've got the, the, I've got uh, football to watch. Unfortunately, it's not March Madness yet, but you know, I know. see football is once a week. That's the killer. And you need to find, you need to like get on like some Netflix binge because I know that's not your style. Cause you're always so busy, but you got to find something, Paula. I know. And I know we disagree about our football taste. So even though, you know, the Patriots may still be in it, Steelers are out of it. So not as enjoyable to watch right now for me. There's always next year. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like exactly. Tom, Br- Tom Br- I heard this great, you know, so I know, I know it applies to Phil Rivers as well. Proper, <coughs> excuse me, pro- proper um, credit goes to Bill Simmons. He's like Tom Brady, you know, he owns a house in Boston area. He owns an apartment in New York. You know, him and Giselle have a place in Brazil. I think mm-hmm. they got a spot in Montana. And he also owns the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> so, <laughs> at least in the playoffs. So, yeah. Um, with that said, Paula, thank you so much for coming on the show. I yeah. really appreciate it. I'm so excited to continue this and to track your progress because yeah. I know it's something that for a lot of people, as we were talking about before you started recording, is that after you go through this sort of recovery, it's easy to look at it a year later with rose colored glasses and say, mm-hmm. oh, I'm so glad I went through that. I'm such a stronger person now. And while that may be true, that isn't necessarily how we feel during the experience. So I'm Mm -hmm. excited to kind of track this as we go to get that kind of real in the moment type considerations from you. So we all can learn um, from this experience because, Hey, if we haven't gone through it before, like I have, and like you're doing now, there probably will come a time where all of us have to go through something along these lines. So I'm really Mm -hmm. excited. And thank you so much for sharing this with us. Thank you so much for having me. And I think that, you know, to anyone who is going through this or will go through it, it's never going to be easy, but you do learn so much about yourself and, you know, you will get through it. And it's just making sure that you're surrounding yourself with, with a good support system. And, and again, just finding what your identity, that your identity is in so much more than what, you know, what you maybe thought it was. And I had someone um, reach out to me and, and share the quote the best leaders go through the hardest challenges. And I think that that, again, was just something really encouraging to me that, you know, sometimes you got to go through through hard times, but you'll always come out of it stronger as long as you got the right mindset and the right people behind you. Um, and yeah, I mean, we'll get through it together. And, you know, anyone who who has gone through this can relate. 
um, as well, I'm sure. So we're going to get through this. There you go. All right, Paula, I'll talk to you again. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you again, Paula, for coming on the show. This was great. I love her enthusiasm, her energy. You see it all the time on her Instagram page. She's really into it. She loves that community feel, and she brings it with so much knowledge as well. So we kind of did a, we didn't do a deep dive into Paula. This was much more of a, you know, what's going on now? What does the future look like? But I would definitely suggest going on to her Instagram profile. You'll see the link in the show notes because she provides a lot of information about a lot of stuff. And, you know, I've been following her for a long time. I've always gotten into it. So, Paula, thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you, Mercury Mile, for being the presenting sponsor of the Rambling Runner podcast, as well as Megaton Coffee, the official coffee, the official drink, the official fuel of the Rambling Runner podcast. You can save on both by using Rambling Runner 10 on MercuryMile.com and MegatonCoffee.com. Thank you so much for listening for sharing the show, for reviewing it, and subscribing. You guys are the best. I really appreciate it. Happy running.